Everybody good? Y'all good? Well, my name is Tim Harris, pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church in this room and online. God bless all of you. YouTube, Facebook, good to have all of you with us. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. It's the first Sunday of a brand new year. I, I'm 55 years old and never in my life have I been more excited to put a year behind me. But goodbye 2020, let it be gone. Let's start something brand new. But I'm not, I'm not an idiot. I know that turning the page of a calendar doesn't really change anything. I know that. Turning the page of a calendar doesn't make our country any less politically divided. You know, turning the page of a calendar doesn't make the virus go away. It doesn't end the pandemic. It doesn't let us take our masks off. Turning a page on a calendar doesn't really make any difference. But still, I am determined I'm determined not to have the same kind of year that I just finished. I'm determined to make 2021 something very, very different. And I'm hoping that a number of you are, are with me. But let me share a very important spiritual principle. Nothing profound. This don't rhyme or nothing, y'all. But it's just the truest thing I know how to tell you. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've been getting. Understand? If you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you're, you've been getting. And if you want something different out of 2021, then that's going to be more or less up to you and the Lord. You with me? It's going to be up to you and the Lord. You can't change a pandemic. You can't change the politics. You can't change the world. But you have some control over changing yourself. And this is a commitment that I'm trying to make right now for myself. I want to have a very, very different kind of year. And I'm thinking that some of you are with me. Uh, so let's talk about how to get our lives, our spiritual lives, back on track. I don't think that we meant, some of us meant to drift this far, but I think some of us have drifted. Now, I'm not just talking about people not in church. I'm not really talking about that so much at all. I understand why uh, I will be speaking to more people online today than I'll ever see in person. I understand the reality of that. And let me say very, very clearly, uh, a number of you who are worshiping from home, it's exactly where you need to be. You're faithful, and I appreciate that you're doing that. You're making a wise choice, and you need to be at home. So let me say that. But let me also say that most of us let some habits go that we really didn't intend to let go this long. You know, when, when the virus first hit in February or, or, or March, you know, we shut the church down, which I never, ever imagined in my life that we would do. That first Sunday when I myself was worshiping from home was a really low point for me. I never imagined that for myself. And that there were weeks where we all worshiped from home. And again, some are still worshiping from home. I understand why you need to. But I don't think any of us thought it would be 10 months, 11 months later. I don't think we expected that. I think what they told us in the beginning was, was it, wasn't it like 15 days to flatten the curve? <laughs> so I was like counting on 15 days. Uh, I never imagined that our church would be closed over Easter. Uh, again, I just really kept thinking that this would be over soon, this will be over soon. And, and now we have turned into a new year, and let's just say we don't know when things will be different. We don't know when this will be over. We don't know when a lot of folks will be safe to come back to church. I don't know when I can take the orange tape off of every other pew. I don't know when I can begin going without a mask. I, I, I can't say that any of that changes. I can just say I didn't expect it to go on this long. I remember when social distancing was a new thing. We all learned to stay six feet apart. We learned not to shake hands or hug or kiss on the mouth. I mean, it's been 10 months, and most of us, a lot of that is just automatic behavior now. We keep our distance. We've learned to do all of this 
for the sake of health and uh, protecting one another from the virus. But can I just stand here this morning as your pastor and ask you to examine your own life and consider the toll that this has taken on your spiritual life? Those of you who have been and must worship from home right now, I understand that, but I want you to consider the the spiritual toll that that takes. I want you to be aware of that because I want us to make some commitments to do something about that. As I say, COVID has taken a lot of things from us, and and it's necessary. It's necessary that we not have a full house anymore for now. It's necessary that we not pack this room to standing room only. We used to really enjoy that. We we can't do that right now. It's necessary that we wear masks. It really, really is. It's necessary. There are a lot of things that COVID just took from us. But then can I just offer to you that there are several things we just gave up voluntarily that the virus couldn't have taken and didn't need to take, but, but we just sort of have given some things up. And for some of us, what we've given up is the very, uh, the, the very center of our life in Christ. It's our spiritual health that has suffered even as we have made so many sacrifices for our physical health. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and I want us to make some different choices. Now, I'm going to say it over and over and over. I'm, I'm not saying make the choice to take your mask off. We can't do that right now. But... I I do think we still have to find a way. We have to find a way to live the life that Jesus calls us to live. And I think in the last 10 months, some of us have really drifted from that. We, we, We just have. We become very, very focused on what we can and can't do. And I think that focus has caused us to lose focus on the very thing that Christ has called us to do. I appreciate all of you worshiping from home, all of you who find us online, please continue to do so. But about once a week, I mean seriously y'all, about once a week, I'll get an email or a or message from somebody from the online world, and, and often not even from our church. It's just like a random online person who caught our worship, and they'll just want to report to me that it looked like you know, somebody on the stage was closer than six feet. You know, the, the, you know, or, hey, it looked like in the congregation some people on a second row didn't have their mask on. Like, like people love to, to report to me that as if the measure of an effective worship service is how well we manage COVID protocols. Now, I'm going to say it again. We're going to continue to manage COVID protocols. But I, I, I sort of, I, I wonder what world I'm living in when, when people want to ask if everyone had on a mask in church on Sunday, but nobody's asking why nobody got saved. You understand that there's something out of joint. There's something out of place when, when, when we make those protocols the most important thing to us. You know, that people are concerned that maybe somebody on stage was too close to somebody else, but nobody's concerned that the altar is empty. Understand that that the altar isn't, you know, somehow meeting with the knees of saints in prayer. I mean, I just think that we've lost a little bit of focus. We focused on what we can and can't do, but we've forgotten the one thing that we must do. And I want to call you back to that today. Jesus has given us one mission, one mission. It's the same mission that the church has had from the beginning. And I'm telling you, God's people, the church, through all of the centuries, in all places, in all times of history, they have managed to accomplish this mission, and we're not any different. This mission isn't canceled because there's a pandemic. It's not canceled because there's political uproar, because there's riots in the streets. None of that cancels the one thing Jesus has called us to do. And it is one thing, one thing. We have one mission, 
If we get everybody in the world to wear a mask and stay six feet apart, but we continue to fail in this mission, we fail. We, we, we fail. People say, Pastor Tim, don't you understand? This virus is serious. I know it's serious. Pastor Tim, people can die. I know that people die. I'm preaching funerals. I know that. I know right now, I have a church member in, on a ventilator right now. I know how important this is. I know how important it is. I know people die. But what I'm concerned with is the fact that we have so many people who are more worried that somebody might die with COVID than they are worried that they might die with COVID without Jesus. And you understand, it matters less how they die, but where they go after they die. And this is our mission. This is what we're called to do. Come back to that with me. Jesus gave us one mission, and it's very simple, to go and make disciples. We still have to do this. It's the only job we have. No matter what else we do, if we fail at this, we fail. This is the mission of this church and every other church that bears the name of Jesus. We have to go and make disciples. The word is disciple. Now, some of you say, Pastor Tim, I thought we were Christians. Aren't we just Christians? Well, yeah, we're Christians. That's kind of the, world that, the word that we use in our culture. Christian in our culture sort of designates religion. And for that reason, it's a very broad term. And lots of people can call themselves Christians, which may or may not fit the New Testament, the biblical, the, 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 the Jesus' own definition of, of what a believer is supposed to be. You know, a, a Christian can be, in our culture, somebody who was baptized as a baby but, but has never really even considered a life for Christ. It could be a person who walked an aisle as a child and shook a preacher's hand and got baptized, but they've lived like the devil ever since. Understand, that's not what we're talking about. That's sort of a cultural Christianity that means one thing to the world. But I want to talk about the, the things that matter to us as actual followers of Jesus. And Jesus calls us disciples. And he said he wanted us to go out and be disciples and to make disciples. So let's talk about what a disciple is. Since this is so important, let's make sure we all have our terms defined. All right? So what's a disciple? Disciples are learners, a student. That's kind of the broad definition. But according to what we would say as believers, a disciple is one who follows Jesus to become like him. A person who follows Jesus to become like him. You see, this is what you do, and this is why you do it. You're becoming like Jesus. If a disciple is a learner, then what you're learning is the way of Jesus. What you're learning is how to think like Jesus, how to talk like Jesus, how to go to work and go to school, how to live like Jesus, how to love like Jesus. Understand? So you're following Jesus so that you can learn to imitate him, learn his way. So this is what a disciple is, and if you're a believer and you're serious about your life with Jesus, this is what you are and this is what you're doing. You're following Jesus in your everyday life so that you can become like Jesus. Does that make sense? Is that clear? Now, in church, we use this big word, discipleship. I think Warren used that word. We use it all the time. This is a church kind of word. But understand its importance and understand what it means. Discipleship is actually not a program at the church. It's not a program at church. Discipleship is a relational process. It's relationships. It's me and you as believers. We're called the body of Christ. We're joined together by the Spirit. And that means we have a very important function in one another's lives. It requires relationship. And what we're actually doing is loving and investing in one another in order to reach maturity in Christ. 
So, so my job as your brother in Christ, as your fellow believer, is to invest in your life in such a way where you grow as a disciple, where, where you reach maturity in Christ, and surprise, surprise, you've got the same job for me. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't put me in a different position, a different place. We all have the same function. We're discipling one another. We're making disciples out of one another. We do that through relationship, through investing and loving one another so that we all become like Christ. The word we use is maturity. Maturity is important because that's a growth word. That suggests that we're all growing. And we talk about spiritual growth, and that's been my concern. That's what I'm talking about today. The fact that for about 10 months, so many of our people, you know, we, we put our spiritual lives on hold. We just sort of pushed pause as if you can do that, and you can't do that. Now, again, I, I know most of our folks are online today, and, and I am not, again, I'm not criticizing that. Please understand that. Please understand that. But, but let me just say some things and, 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 and ask yourself the questions to see how this applies to you. But let me just say this first off, and I'm just going to be really honest a lot of people, I'm not just talking about people in this church or people that I know, I'm just talking about people in general. A lot of people, even if they call themselves Christians, they weren't really following Jesus when it was easy. I mean, before the virus ever came, a whole lot of people really weren't serious about their spiritual lives. And, and, and all that means is, now that it's hard, a lot of people aren't doing anything at all. I mean, you weren't doing anything much before, but now everything that you would do is hard. And since it's hard not doing anything, it's just all sort of gone away. And, and so a lot of folks who now just, you know, worship from home, so much of your spiritual life has just disappeared. And, and I'm not judging or criticizing. I just want you to consider the toll that it's taking because you need to do something about that. You can't just let your spiritual life dry up and evaporate. The other part of that is for so many people, their whole idea of, 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 of being a disciple was coming to church on Sunday. Like that's all you had. That, that's all you did. And maybe you thought that's all that was required. But let me just remind you that the life of a disciple is not just a one-day-a-week exercise or a one-hour-a-week exercise. To be a disciple, you follow Jesus Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, it's an every day. It, it is with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. I mean, it's everything. So coming to church on Sunday, even for the most serious disciples among us, that's the smallest part of following Jesus. It's just the smallest part. It's just one part of it. And you need the body of Christ. You need to be connected to the body of Christ in whatever way you connect. But, but, but I'm just telling you, coming to church was just one small part of it. And if for a lot of people coming to church was all they did, when you take that out, then there is no spiritual life whatsoever anymore. I'm concerned about that. I think this is a problem. Again, I'm not judging anyone who's watching me online. So many of you need to be online. I'm not saying that you don't. I'm just asking you to consider how this is affecting your spiritual life. You've got to do something about that. We all have to do something about that. So I'm just calling you back to, to forward motion, 
Let's make sure that this coming year isn't anything like this past year spiritually. We can have social distance, but we cannot have spiritual distance. We've got to learn how to connect. We've got to learn how to love. And we've got to learn how to live like Jesus, even with a mask on, even in a pandemic. We've got to figure out how. We've got to get back to it. So, With all that being said, let's talk about maturity in Christ. And we've done this before. I just want to remind you of of one of the ways that we remember what what maturity in Christ looks like. We use an acronym called REFLECT. So take a look at this with me, and then we'll get to today's message. (laughs) That's horrifying. I've been talking this long, and then I just said, and then I'll get, and you're all thinking, oh, my goodness, he's not even preaching yet. Uh, Stay with me. I know what time it is. Stay with me. Uh, REFLECT. It's seven letters that help us understand what maturity in Christ looks like. What are we talking about? If you're trying to look more like Jesus, what does that look like? What are you trying to nurture? What qualities of life are are we trying to to make sure are are reflected in us? And we've used this acronym to help us understand sort of scripturally what qualities are important in a growing Christian's life. So number one, this is today, we'll talk about relationship. R is for relationship. Love God, love others. It's relationship. The second one, E, is evangelism. Healthy living things grow and healthy living things multiply. It's just a rule of biology. And one of the spiritual principles that we find in the followers of Jesus is that those who follow Jesus and mature in their following of him, they begin to live a life that attracts others to Jesus. Evangelism, there's a multiplication of disciples because of our life in Christ. F is fruit of the Spirit. It's that list that we find in the New Testament that tells us the kind of just relational qualities that you see reflected in a Christian's life. Love, joy, peace, Kindness, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. Listening. As a believer, as a disciple of Jesus and following him, that means the dominant voice in your life should be the, the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord, that's what guides you. That's what helps you know where you are in your life and where you're trying to go. You're listening to his voice through scripture, through prayer. You need to come back to a life of listening to the Lord. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. Edification is a construction word, right? Edifice is is the front of a building. To edify means to build up. And all through the New Testament, we are instructed to play this role in one another's lives. My job is to build you up in Christ, to strengthen you, to put a foundation underneath your feet. And you've got the same job in my life. We edify one another. We'll talk about that. Christ-likeness. As I said, a disciple is one who's becoming more like Jesus. If in your life of calling yourself a Christian, you're not becoming more like Jesus, you're doing it wrong. You're just doing it wrong. You should be less like the person you used to be and more like Jesus as time goes on. And and, and if you're just becoming more like your grumpy old grandma and less like Jesus, again, you're doing it wrong. Become more like Christ. And the whole effect of this is T, transformation. There's got to be a change. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. There's got to be a change, transformation. You, You can't continue to stay the same. Now, I've heard people say in the last 10 months, and I understand this, I I, I get it, part of it, but I've heard people say, Pastor Tim, I'm at home by myself, and I I watch you, and I I watch other preachers, and, and I think I feel closer to the Lord than I ever have. I feel close to the Lord. 
I'm, I'm not questioning that. I, I am sure that some of us, because we have more alone time, and because we actually are spending more time in the Word and maybe more time you know, online listening to sermons or watching worship, I understand. You could feel close to the Lord, and, and that's very important. But if you'll notice, feeling close to the Lord isn't really one of the qualities we measure to understand if you're growing spiritually. Feeling close to the Lord is not ever something that Jesus emphasizes. It's not so much feeling close to him, it's becoming like him. You know who's told me more than anybody else they feel really close to the Lord? It's usually that guy who's cheating on his wife and is about to abandon his family. And he'll say, Pastor Tim, I just want you to understand I I feel closer to the Lord than I ever have. Hmm, isn't that curious? So if in your closest to the Lord you don't find yourself actually obeying him, following him, doing his will, you know, then again, you're off track. It doesn't matter how you feel. If, If these qualities aren't being multiplied in your life, then there is something profoundly broken in your spiritual life, no matter how you feel. So I want to call you back to growth. I want to call you back to forward momentum. I want to call us to recover some of our best habits that we've forgotten. I want to call us to start some new habits. I want us to shift our focus back to what Jesus calls us to focus on. And I want us to start with love. You with me? So 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Now, this passage is just so good. I, I want you to open up. There's probably, maybe not. I think we took the paper Bibles out for COVID. Um, usually there's a Bible in the pew, but if you can look at a Bible, if you got your phone on you, very quickly, just, just find the Bible passage, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 21. Dial that up on your phone. Either use an app or use Google. Just Google it. You'll find it. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. I just want you to see this passage. It's a passage I quote a lot. Uh, It's a passage I love. It's amazing. This is basic Christianity right here. This is the gospel. And if you're wondering how you're supposed to live your life, it's all right here. It's all right here, what I'm about to read. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Let's start there. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Okay, I know y'all just want me to preach and get this over with, but verse 8, I think that's hard. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. That verse is just so striking in its simplicity but I just know that I'm not really good at loving. And I can tell you one thing, I haven't gotten better at it in the last 10 months. I mean, has anybody? I mean, people have just gotten meaner and more self-centered and more self-focused and just nasty in in every single way. I mean, Facebook is is, is just the worst. It's just a cesspool of hatred and ugliness and, and it's just how it's in our hearts. And how can we read a verse like this and not become a little troubled? I'm not always really good at loving people. And it says, anyone who does not love doesn't know God. Yesterday, my son and his wife were got in the car and to drive back off to Texas to go home. Um, I wanted to cry, but then I'm a man and I don't do that kind of thing. So instead of crying, the first time Casey said something to me, I barked at her. Like my wife spoke, and I was like, Rawr. which, 
you know, it's just not something I would do, but I was just like not, I was, you know, emotionally constipated, is that the word? I was trying not to cry and trying not to deal with what I was thinking. And, and she was also wanting to cry but not crying, so she barked back. And then eventually we just realized, okay, let's, you know, time out. So she went upstairs, I stayed downstairs, and um, just saying love is hard. I love my wife more than anything, but that, love is just hard, and, and none of this has made it any easier. Verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. That's the gospel. Verse 10. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he is in us. Furthermore, we've seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. I mean, I'm going to stop again. Do you live like Jesus in this world? I mean, those words just wash right over us, but, but do we stop and, and measure our lives by the standard of his word? Because th that's pretty important. We live like Jesus here in this world. Verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced this perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. If we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? If we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he's given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. If a maturity in Christ requires us growing in certain qualities, then the first of those would have to be relationship. We're talking about love. Love. Look at verse 17. I just want to call your attention to what it says here. Again, we're talking about discipleship. Your and my growing in a process of becoming more like Jesus. Notice what it says in verse 17. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. You see that? So as we live in God, that's kind of a conditional statement there. The assumption is that you're living in the Lord, that that's your aim, that that's your goal. But, but as you live in Christ, as you live in the Lord, something happens. And the surest thing that happens is that you grow in love. Your love grows more perfect. So, so to say, say that really plainly, growing in love is the surest sign of growing in Christ. So again, I encourage you, you know, just measure how close to God do you feel. That's not really the measure. The measure is this. Are, are, are you becoming better at loving people? You say, Pastor, I don't even know how I would know. Well, could, let's just bring your wife up and ask her. 
I mean, you know, the people in your life could tell us, let's just bring your husband up and let him rehearse the last week with us, you know. The last trip to Walmart, you know, where you lost it and, you know, ripped the sun visor off the car and beat him with it. I mean, you know, let's just talk honestly about our lives. Uh, You know, if you're becoming more patient, if you're becoming kinder, if, if love is something that's taking deeper root in your heart, and you know if it's not. And my concern is in the last 10 months, we're not really taken over with people that are growing in love. I mean, let's be honest, some of us have been so shut in and so turned in toward ourselves, and, and again, I know that you thought you were socially distancing, but, but you have literally let people disappear out of your life. Like on the one hand, like people that matter, like, like you had friends before COVID, and, and you haven't picked up a phone, you haven't texted, I mean, you, you just let people disappear out of your life, and that's not what growing in love looks like. You have neighbors you haven't checked on. You have people that that meant something to you 10 months ago and you literally haven't thought about them. And I'm telling you, there's something wrong with that. We we have to fix that. Social distance doesn't mean spiritual distance. It doesn't mean that you don't love people. Putting on a mask just because they can't see you smile doesn't mean they should not feel your love. It's no excuse. It's just no excuse. I'm reminding you, we're going to continue to do these things because that's what love does. We're going to continue to take all these precautions to care for one another, but we still have to grow in love. Gosh, the last 10 months, we've literally had people, you know, burning things down in the street. We've had people, you know, just nasty and ugly toward one another. We have fights break out over toilet paper at Myers. I mean, it's unbelievable, and none of this is a joke, you all. A pastor friend, a, a local pastor friend, had to shut his church back down, like in the fall. I said, brother, What's up with that? I mean, a lot of us were very concerned about bringing people back in person, but we've learned how to do it safely. We've learned how to do it. We, we sanitize this room every single time it empties with people. Warren can do it in two minutes flat. We completely sanitize this room. You, 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 could, you could lick the back of that pew and don't, but, you know, it's very clean, very clean. Um, we've done all of these things to, to bring people people back, but my brother said, uh, we didn't shut back down because of the virus. He said, we shut back down because if we continued to meet together, my congregation was going to destroy itself with politics and opinions. Okay, Jesus died, shed his precious blood, gave us his Holy Spirit to bring us together so we could divide over masks. So that we could divide over who's going to be the president. I'm like, if Jesus is my Lord, I don't really care who my president is, to be honest. It's sort of a second-level question. And if that's what matters most to you, this is what I'm asking you to examine. There's something profoundly broken in your spiritual life. If you just cut people out of your life because they disagree with your politics, if you just cut them out of your life because you disagree about masks, I mean, there's something wrong here. We're supposed to be growing in love. But over the last number of months, I'm telling you, I'm afraid that too many of us are going in the wrong direction. Now, here's the thing. We were confused. 
you know, we were locked down. We were told we had to stay at home, and, and we all did. We didn't think it would last this long. And so the habits that we sort of have fallen into, most of us never really expected that, that into the next year that, that we'd still be living this life. I mean, I know you put on those sweatpants, you know, 10 months ago, and you're still in them. Like, you never expected to wear the same sweatpants for 10 months. You never expected to put on 19 pounds either, but, but we locked you in your house in sweatpants with your refrigerator, and it's just kind of been something you didn't, you didn't think you would eat your way through the next 10 months. You didn't think that you just let yourself go, but, but I'm telling you, we didn't expect that all of this was becoming habits, but now some of us are very established in what we've been living for 10 months, and, and it's not going to be easy to change. I'm fully aware of the fact that a number of the folks who were still worshiping at home will never come back to church because they're not worshiping at home either. They've dropped out. I mean, people have dropped out. They've literally dropped out, dropped out from the Lord, dropped out from the church. I'm, I'm just telling you, we didn't expect these habits to take root, but they've taken root. And this whole time, God never canceled his plan for your life. He never stopped working in your life. He, he never lifted this obligation for you to love people, to grow in love. This entire time, help me out, Greg, this entire time, God has never stopped bringing people into your life. Never stopped bringing people into your life for one reason, so that you have somebody to love more than you love yourself. Now, I know some of you have been very, very lonesome very lonesome because nobody calls you. But I just want to remind you that there's a whole world of lonesome people. You're not the only one. And your phone will dial out. Your phone will dial out. Call somebody else that you know is lonely and lift somebody else up because this is what we do. We just want other people to love us, love on us. And we feel lonely. We feel sorry for ourselves, but we forget. No, no, no. Your job is to love other people. Not just sit around and complain that nobody loves you. Your phone rings out. You can dial it. You can send a text. You can write letters. You can leave something on somebody's porch. I mean, there are so many ways if you want to find a way. God has never stopped bringing people into your life so that you have someone to love more than you love yourself. That's the problem when we're all at home by ourselves. We just start really loving ourselves. It becomes all about us. I understand it because stress always makes us this way. Stress will make a person really self-centered. Not because you're egotistical, because stress just does that. It makes you very self-protective. You know, some of you are just glued to the news and, and you're watching these virus numbers every single day and you're just, you live in this anxiety now and it just makes you very, very scared and, 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 and concerned to protect yourself. And I understand that. I understand that. That's not sinful. That's human. That's human. But I want you to recognize what's happening. Recognize the way the stress makes you think mostly about yourself and less about other people. I mentioned that fight that broke out in the toilet paper aisle down at Myers. You know, if you were in that, like if that was you, oh my goodness, it looks like the toilet paper's almost gone. I better get five cases. You know, all that means is. You love your behind more than you love everybody else's behind. And this is exactly the opposite of what Christ would call you to do. You understand? I have a feeling Jesus would buy five cases and hand them out in the parking lot. Not hoard them for himself. You understand what I'm saying? Distress has done this to us, and I just want you to recognize what's happening to yourself. Man, I tell you. 
God brings people into our lives, and, and I personally love the easy people. There are people in your life, my life too, man, they're so easy to love. I, I, I love happy people. I love encouraging people. I, I love people who have a smile on their face. I love people who come up in a pandemic and put a casserole on your porch. They're not spreading COVID, they're spreading casserole, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. I love that, man. I love people that are just like Jesus. They love like Jesus, always friendly and patient and kind and good. Man, I love those people. I, I just wish there were more people like that. I wish we could walk out the front doors of this church and go into a whole world of people that just love and are easy to love because I love people that are easy to love. The problem is when we walk out the doors, those are not the people we meet. Turns out there aren't that many people like that at all, and I don't even need to tell you about this because you've been with your own family for two weeks now. I mean, it is hard to love people because people are hard to love. People are not naturally kind and patient and good. They don't necessarily think about your needs before their needs. I'm telling you, it's hard. People are rough. People will unfriend you if you put the wrong thing on Facebook. If you say the wrong word, I mean, it's over. They will cut you off. I mean, and this is the world we live in now. We're afraid to say anything, afraid to voice an opinion, because people expect that if, if you don't agree with them, you're out, out of their life. I, I mean, I'm telling you, how do you love people like that? You can love your grandma. Everybody loves your own grandma. It's everybody else's grandma, you know, driving down the road with a turn signal on, doing 15 miles an hour, I'm like, oh, lady, you know. I'm sure it's your grandma and you love her, but I'm going to, you know, run her off the road. <laughs> this is what you have to understand, though. Those people in your life that are easy to love, you're not learning to love. You're not going to grow deeper in love. You're not going to grow more perfect in your love if all you do is love the people that you already like. The people that agree with you and the people that like all the things you like and the people that you just click with. You understand? It takes nothing, nothing supernatural to love people that are easy to love. It's the other people, which is most of the population of this planet and nearly everybody in your family. It's the people that are hard to love. The high-maintenance people, the needy people, you know, the people that not only disagree with you, but they will continue to say something that flies up your nose every time they open their mouth. You know, it's those people. And you know what? God brings those people into your life. That's why every time you open Facebook, it's just full of all that stuff you don't want to see. Understand? Because honestly, you really need to learn how to love people that don't see the world like you see it. You really need to learn to love people who disagree with you. You really need to love people who are not kind. You really need to learn to love all those people that are so very, very difficult to get along with. You need them. You need them. And that's why God just lines them up in your life. You've got to learn how to love people that are hard to love. Because this is what love is. This is what love does. Let me call your attention to verse 10. If you've ever wondered exactly what true love is and what it looks like, verse 10 says, this is true love. You ready? This is true love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Okay, that's the gospel. True love is shown most clearly in the gospel of Jesus. 
But it's also a definition for you and me. This, this is what love is, and this is what love's going to be in your life too. And the fact of the matter is, true love always lays something down. True love lays something down. The key word there in verse 10 is sacrifice. Any place you see true love, somebody sacrificed. If you're blessed to have a happy marriage of any level of happiness, I can tell you that happiness level is related to your sacrifice level. Somebody sacrifices for that. If you've got a happy family, I promise you somebody laid themselves down for the sake of that family. This is how love works always. You lay something down. Now, some of us weren't very good with relationships before the pandemic. And now... It's become very difficult to stay connected, to keep relationships. I'm telling you, you got to find a way. You can't just let people disappear from your life. You can't do that. You you can't just let your neighbor stay in the house, and you don't know if they're alive or dead. You, You can't live like this. The other part of it is this obligation, this this privilege we have to to make disciples of one another. It requires a love and connection in the church. 1 John chapter 4 is all about love, but notice there continues to be this special emphasis on the love between believers, the love in the church. We have to stay connected together. We have to love each other. And and most of our church is online. Most of our church is not in person. And just hear me say this. I'm not saying that you have to come back in person. I am saying you have to love people and you have to stay connected to your church. And if it's not in person, you've got to find a way. You have to find a way. You've got to find another way. You've got to find a new way. But just disappearing, just trying to live your life outside of the body of Christ, without the body of Christ, that is not an option for a disciple. We need this relational process by which we invest and love one another for the sake of maturing in Christ. We need each other for that. You won't do this at home by yourselves no matter how good the broadcast is. You need people. You need connection with people. And if it's not in person, if it's with a mask, if it's with six feet distance, whatever it takes, you've got to have people. You've got to love people. None of that is canceled. It's never going to be canceled because of the pandemic. It's just what we're called to do. True love always lays something down. Sacrifices and the kind of relationship, the kind of Christian friendship that is required for discipleship It's not automatic. It'll never be automatic. You're going to have to sacrifice for it. You're going to have to go out of your way for it. You're going to have to lay things down. You've got to make room for people in your life. You've got to give up your preferences. You've got to give up your own political opinions. You've got to learn to love people that disagree with you. You have to. You've got to learn how to disagree with people about masks without giving up friendships and love. You know, you just got to love first. Just what Jesus says. So I want to I want to call you to three new commitments for, for this year. Three commitments, and I encourage you to write them down if it's a commitment. Uh, if you're serious, uh, write these three things down. They're, they're not anything you hadn't thought of, but they may still be things you're not doing. They're not going to be on the screens. So I, I just want to ask you to to consider these three things. Make these your commitments for the new year. For the new life. Number one, I want you to say, 
I will make my relationship with Christ the highest priority in my life. Now, if you're not making that commitment, I don't even know what kind of Christian you think you are. I mean, honestly, if that's not something that you're willing to commit to, then I don't even know about your life in Christ at all. This is beginning level. I will make my relationship with Christ, relationship with the Lord, the highest priority in my life. That's commitment number one. I don't know what that looks like for you. I'm just asking you to find a way. Number two, I will go out of my way to show people love in practical ways every day. I will go out of my way. That means you're not just going to do it when it's easy. You're going to do whatever it takes. You're going to do it with a mask on. You're going to do it with social distance. You're going to do all these things. It's part of it. It's just part of it now, you all. And I know it's hard and it's uncomfortable and we don't all like masks, but put on your mask and go love people. I mean, that's what we do. That's what Christians do. You just got to. But you got to do it every day. It's not like a special event. This is a, a way of life. It's following Jesus, and Jesus would always love people, and that means you're going to start every single day just making this the way you live your life, at work, at home. You love people in practical ways. I mean, just, you know, from a distance, you know, thinking a warm thought. You meet their needs. Figure out what they need. You meet their needs and do it in practical ways. Every day, it's your way of life. Number three. Say this, make this commitment. I will strengthen my relationships with the ones in my church family. I know most of you aren't here in person. I'm asking you to find a way. I'm not saying come to church. Some of you shouldn't. But you find a way. You still need the church. You need to be connected. And I don't know how you do it. you got to find a way. You cannot have another year like last year. You cannot have another 10 months like the last 10 months. We, we, we can't. There's too much at stake, and there's too much being lost. I'm asking you to make three new commitments for a new year. We have been confused. We have been afraid. We have been knocked off of our feet. But it's time to get back up on our feet, and it's time to move forward, and it's time to grow. There's no other way to live the Christian life but to follow Jesus and to become like him. Let's get back to it. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, for all of our complaining, whining, grieving about 2020, can we just stop and thank you for all that you did for us last year? You are a good and faithful God, and you're always good and faithful, and you were good and faithful to us last year. You stood beside us in every moment of our grief. You stood beside us as we gathered in tiny family groups and buried our loved ones in the cemetery. Nobody else around, Lord, no friends. Lord, you stood beside us in moments of sickness when we were afraid. Lord, you gave us breath when we needed breath. Lord, you have been faithful to us. You have taught us how to love and celebrate and worship, Lord, in ways we never even imagined. God, thank you for all that you did for us last year. 
And thank you, Lord, for all that you will do for us in the year to come. Lord, we don't want to miss anything that you would give to us. We don't want to live our lives at such a distance where somehow we're not able to reach you, not able to receive from you, Lord God. Please help us to follow you so closely that we can hear your voice, that we can know your presence, that we can feel your love, and we can share your love. God, we don't necessarily know how we got to this place. We never intended to get to this place, Lord, but we don't want to live like this, not for another year. So, Lord, despite the limitations of a pandemic, despite the limitations that we must face in order to take care of each other, Lord, help us to find ways to love people, to love people lavishly and surely and richly. And God, all those that we've simply let disappear from our lives, help us, Lord, to reach back out. Help us to stop worrying about the things we can't do and do the things we can for the sake of Jesus. Lord, you, we know that you are our master, you are our Lord, and it is you that we want to become more like. Some of us have strayed from that path, but Lord, will you bring us back? Help us to make new commitments, to form new habits. Help us, Lord, simply to make no excuses for not living as you would live in this world. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus who died to save us. Amen.